It's good to be with you uh, today. I'm thrilled uh, that we have a guest speaker today, and I'm thrilled with who it is. If I could tell you a, a little bit of a story. Um, I first got here in July of last year, and within the first week or so, I went out to lunch at Acapulco's, and I'm sitting there, and I think I was talking with Tim Porter, um, and we had just mentioned about coming here and what it was like and uh, trying to move and everything, and, and there was a lady at the table behind us. And uh, she said, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to be overhearing, but I, I couldn't help it. Um, are you the new minister at Kerrville Church of Christ? And I said, yeah, I am. And she said, we've been praying for you. And I said, who, who, who's we? And she said, our, our pastor's been praying for you. David Danielson over at Impact Church said he'd been praying for you before you even got here. And I remember thinking, man, that is one of the kindest things that I've ever heard is that they would do that. I didn't know who David Danielson was. Uh, but I, I did know that he had been praying for me and his church had been praying for me, and that meant a lot. Uh, and so pretty quick after that, uh, David and I got, got together, and we got to spend a little time talking. And uh, we have a past that's pretty close in a lot of ways to kind of the way that we came to, to be uh, leading churches and to be preaching. And uh, it's been a real blessing for me to get to know him uh, and to have him as, uh, as a friend and to be able to call him as a friend. Uh, David, if you would make your way up here, I, I want to pray for you. Uh, he is the, the lead pastor at Impact Community Church, and uh, we have had uh, some wonderful discussions and time together of prayer, and uh, it means a lot to me to have people here in this town that would be praying for us and that uh, would love us. And I want you to know, too, one of the first things I did when we decided that we we're going to revision this church, we're going to start seeking God's way, is I, I called David and I go, hey, do you have time to talk? I want to talk this through with you. And he said, man, we're going to be praying for y'all. Our church is going to be praying for you. Do you realize what a big deal it would be that if y'all start uh, searching for what God has for you and you're praying in there, he's going to do amazing things th through your church. And so he's been praying for us. And then when it came time for us to start talking about how are we going to listen to God's leading? Well, we want to listen to scripture and we want to listen to the Holy Spirit and we want to listen to each other and we want to listen to the larger kingdom here in this town. And so uh, we, we say prayers for other churches every Sunday here, but what an amazing thing for us to be able to hear from another place this morning and to have David come and give us a word of encouragement as we seek his guidance uh, and God's uh, leading in what we're doing as a church. So I want to pray over you before you start, David. I want to thank you for being here, and we're looking forward to your message. So let's pray. Holy God, we thank you so much for um, the, the kingdom of God. We thank you for how big and vast it is, that it goes all the way to India, that it goes uh, in Kerrville, that it goes to all the points of the earth. And Lord, we know that there's nothing that can stop the advancement of your kingdom. And Lord, we're grateful for the kingdom and the body of Christ here in Kerrville. We're thankful that it's made up of many different congregations, but of one church. And that's all that call you, Lord, and that bend their knee uh, to your son, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for David. I'm thankful for his friendship. I'm thankful for um, his support. I'm thankful for the way that uh, you put him in my life uh, to be a friend and a prayer partner and somebody that, uh, that I can talk to. And Lord, we're grateful that uh, the prayers that have been put up uh, from his church on behalf of this, this church. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless Impact Church this morning uh, as uh, their children's minister fills in and brings the word, uh, that that would be uh, a powerful message of the gospel and that lives would be changed there. We ask the same for us. Lord, speak through David. Uh, let our ears be open. Let our hearts be open. And let us hear from him uh, the things that you most want us to hear. Let your Holy Spirit do its work uh, to change us and to make us more yours. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask all this. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and speak. Uh, my wife Cindy and I, we've just finished 20 years here in Kerrville, and uh, our lives have been integrated with many of you. Clay and I were playing old man basketball about 18 or 20 years ago and competing against each other. Now we transitioned off the basketball court to the golf. Uh, Coach Edwards uh, taught our kids at Hunt. Uh, Coach Butch taught our son. Uh, soccer was his soccer coach for a number of years. So our lives have been integrated through and through. Eight years ago, our churches joined together and we did a big community outreach that ended in a meeting at Tyvee Stadium. We had over 3,000 people show up that uh, night and we just uh, worshiped there in the stadium together. Four years ago, we joined together and did a Habitat House and we paid for half and you guys paid for half and we worked that all together. And uh, so we had Impact Christian Fellowship putting $50,000 in, Kerrville Church of Christ putting $50,000 into a house that, some go, that goes to Notre Dame, Church, Notre Dame uh, Catholic Church. So, but it's a beautiful work of the kingdom. We were actually the first two churches to join together to do that with Habitat. We created a model for them that they have since been using. So I just want to thank you for joining us and participating in that, giving us the privilege to join with you. And one other thing we did a few years ago, we, uh, us and y'all and Trinity Baptist and St. Peter's Episcopal and First United Methodist Church of Kerrville raised $50,000 in one month and uh, $100,000 in one month and paid off $11 million of medical debt in Kerr County and 11 counties around us. So there's been lots of ways the Lord's mixed and mingled our hearts together. And I uh, thank you for the privilege of being here again to speak with you. We really were praying for you guys after Jimmy left. I mean, I was friends with Greg from early on and then got to be friends with Jimmy and when he left in the transition, such a tricky thing. And we prayed so much for you guys during that transition time to stay together as a body. And it's a beautiful testimony that you did that. And we also prayed for the Lord to bring the right person to you guys. And we're, the very first day I met Scott, I thought, yep, you heard our prayers, Lord. You got the right person here. And just, yeah, yeah. And just so excited uh, to see what God is doing with y'all and in you and through you. And, and again, thank you for the privilege to share here this morning. If you got your Bibles, open up to uh, Proverbs chapter 3. I'll be there in just a minute. Uh, again, just uh, so thankful for the opportunity. It's been exciting to see and hear all that God is stirring and doing among you as you've taken hold of seeking his way. Uh, I've been watching your services for about the last month. Uh, one of my routines on Monday or Tuesday morning is to sit and watch through the service because uh, this opportunity is coming and I didn't want to just come out of nowhere. I wanted to be in the flow of where you were at and just a blessing. Last week hearing John's testimony uh, about the hearts and the wood. Oh, so, so good. And uh, things happen from your prayer service every week. I'm, uh, after I watch the service and I'm walking all around Impact saying, I mean, you're not I'm not going to believe what's happening at the Church of Christ. They did this and this and this and just bragging on you guys and bragging on what the Lord is doing among you. It really is a beautiful, encouraging thing. One of the verses Scott's been sharing was 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I thought that he, Paul might have been a Texan, be with y'all. He could have said y'all there, but, but, but that is a powerful yet to be fully answered apostolic prayer. And what y'all are doing here at KCC and what we're doing over at Impact are ongoing answers to that prayer. Another one of Paul's apostolic prayers is in Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Without God's help enlightening the eyes of our hearts, 
It is so easy to get complacent and or stuck living in the confines of our own very small, incomplete picture of reality. When the eyes of our heart are enlightened, we get to experientially know God better. And then we can become fuller expressions of who he's created us to be, doing what he's created us to do. The Holy Spirit is the source of revelation. The Holy Spirit guides us, encourages us, counsels us, and corrects us as we walk out our faith. And listen, it's a very healthy desire to want to receive fresh, progressive, unfolding revelation from God. I was reading a book, uh, sitting, I went to Miami this week. Um, there's a group of, uh, there's this, the Church of Miami is coming together to do something amazing in the next year. And we got to be there for the launch of that. And um, on the way there, I read a book, uh, Holiness, Truth, and the Presence of God by Francis Frangipan. And one of the things that he said in there is the only time we don't want to have fresh, progressive, unfolding revelation is when we're unwilling to change. So it's a very healthy thing to want to know more about God and for him to show us more of who he is. At the same time, healthy spiritual growth and maturity also requires an equal pursuit of the wisdom part of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Even Jesus, when he was here, it says he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. The Holy Spirit uses wisdom to enlighten the eyes of our heart. And wisdom draws us into the intended insights and applications of revelation. Rather than letting revelation just tickle our ears or slip past us unattended and unapplied. Holy Spirit revelation comes with a built-in invitation to process. Now, processing can be full of trial and error challenges. It can at times even seem like a series of contradictions. But it's important to stay the course. The end goal of processing is discovering how to put the revelation into practice. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. One important thing to note about that scripture, notice that when we hear his words and put them into practice, it doesn't mean all our problems are done. The people who heard his words and put them into practice still had to deal with the rain coming down, the streams rising, and the winds blowing against that house. But those who hear his words and put them into practice have the staying power when life's real issues come our way. This morning I'm going to share some verses I hope will encourage you individually as well as as a church as you continue pressing into the pilgrimage of seeking his way. Last week Scott said, what we must have is God's leading. And to that end, let me take a closer look with you at some of the most power, one of the most powerful standalone scriptures in the Bible, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, probably on the top 10 most quoted list. And there's a depth in these words, though, that can be missed if we just quote that verse out of context of the fuller scope of Solomon's words to his sons and every hearer and reader since. So let's start at the beginning of the chapter. Proverbs 3, verse 1. Let me get there. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Solomon's teachings were meant to be wise applications of God's words and God's ways. Do not forget was a directive intended to emphasize the importance of keeping God's word and God's ways front and center in our lives. 
If we get deceived and start building our lives on any other foundation, this forget happens. This forget also happens when we let our minds get in the driver's seat. That mistake leads to valuing our intelligence and our reasoning over a personal, heart-led, spirit-led relationship with the living God. This forget means to mislay or to be oblivious of from want of memory or attention. We, we cannot afford to let God's word and God's ways become oblivious to us or to misplace or displace even temporarily the priority that we give to walking out being and becoming living expressions of God's word and God's ways. God loved us enough to cause the Bible to be written and preserved. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Beyond the written word of the Bible, God also loved us enough to send Jesus, the word made flesh. Jesus modeled and lived out the heart of God captured in the written words of Scripture. And I've, I've been in the church my whole life. When I was in the womb, I was in church. So I, I don't know any day outside of church. But what I've found this far into the journey, 62 years into the journey, I really believe Jesus is perfect theology. I believe when you try to start processing anything in the Bible and try to come up with theology and what do you think it means and what does it look like, I have found to this point in my journey that if you go back and look at how Jesus lived it, how he said it, how he did it, then you'll find yourself in the right way. When you make applications and it's like, yeah, but that's not the way Jesus did. That's not the way Jesus talked to people. That's not the way Jesus shared with people. You make applications outside of that. They may be well-intentioned, but I've found they missed the mark. But when we make things line up through, this is the way the Word made flesh, lived it, modeled it, demonstrated it, and said that we should do it. I think there's a safety and a grounding that takes place in that spot. And then beyond that, Jesus said, I have much more to say to you. He has more to say to us than what got captured in red in our Bibles. He said that himself. More than you can bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he'll bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Of course, as is God's way, we get to choose. But for those of us who keep, guard, and protect God's teaching and commands in our hearts, there are some clear benefits. The Amplified translates them like this. Length of days and years of life worth living. And it goes on to say, for inward and outward and continuing tranquility through old age into death. For those of us who keep, guard, and protect God's teaching and commands in our hearts, whatever days we have left here on the planet, we go out living the fullness of those days rather than going out with a whimper. There's a different way that we can, there's a different thing. I've been with a lot of people as they passed away. And when you meet people and you know people who really love the Lord, there is something beautiful about that moment when they pass away and go to be with the Lord. And then when you be with, when you're with other people who are not necessarily walking with the Lord or different things that are going on, there's a sadness and a sorrow and a tragedy that's so different. Those of us who keep, guard, and protect God's teachings and commands in our hearts will have the opportunity to live an inward, outward, continuing tranquility through old age into death. Now, this word prosperity that shows up in the Hebrew uh, is actually the word shalom. And shalom is a much, much bigger word than the way we use prosperity today, just kind of money and resources. Shalom means being made whole and being made healthy. 
in ways that produce inner peace, harmony, and completeness, not only just within us, but all around us in our sphere of influence. Our choice is to live in obedience and submission to God's position, uh, submission to God, position us to live under his blessing and in his shalom. And our choice is to live outside of obedience and submission to God opens us up to the consequences of those decisions. Look at verse 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Now the NIV says love and faithfulness. And obviously both of those are great. But what Solomon originally wrote was let mercy and truth never leave you. And I think that's a very different thing. Let mercy and truth never leave you. And I found at this point in my journey that the order is, impor- is uh, important. Uh, sadly, some of the meanest people I've ever met in all my life are church people who are based on the truth but have no mercy. That's not how Jesus lived his life. That's not who he desires us to be. Let mercy and truth never leave you. To this very day, binding ourselves to mercy and truth and having mercy and truth graved in our hearts is a transformative way to live. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. He also said, be merciful just as your father is merciful. And remember the punchline that we call the Good Samaritan story. Which one was the neighbor to the man who fell to the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And in Matthew 9, Jesus quoted from Hosea 6, and he issued a challenge that still resounds today. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In his mercy toward us, God never, ever treats us as we deserve to be treated. And in his mercy toward us, he always treats us better than we could ever earn or deserve. And he wants us to follow his lead. He wants us to be those kind of people. The kind of people that treat the people that are around us better than they could ever earn or deserve. The kind of people that treat the people around us Not like they deserve to be. Not do unto others as they did unto you. Or do unto others before they did unto you. But do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When we lead with mercy. A lifestyle rooted in mercy. It creates a more balanced perspective. It softens our hard edges. And it slows down our bent for quick harsh judgments. And initially mercy gives the benefit of the doubt. And then mercy opens the door for another opportunity. I believe God is mercy to the very core of his being. And of course we know truth has a name. Jesus clearly declared himself to be the way and the truth and the life. Jesus also said the pathway to knowing the truth involves our repeated decisions. If you hold fast to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let mercy and truth never leave you. It keeps us living in our lane. When I was teaching uh, on this a couple of months ago at Impact, uh, between Saturday night, we have a Saturday night service and a Sunday morning. And between Saturday night and Sunday morning, uh, I woke up about two in the morning. The Lord was speaking to me about some of this. And this let mercy and truth never leave you, keeping us in our lane. He said, it's like the difference of bowling and bumper bowling. You know, when you're just doing regular bowling, I mean, you're trying to stay in the lane, but that ball can get in the gutter. And you got nothing happening when it's in the gutter. But when you got bumper bowling, you can miss aim it, 
but it bounces off the bumper and it comes back and you still get some pins. When mercy and truth are guarding our life, when they're in the forefront of our lives, instead of spending time off in the gutters not accomplishing what we're trying to get done, we get bounced back into the middle of the lane. We stay in our lane when mercy and truth never leave us. What if before something overflowed from our hearts and made its way out of our mouth and into our behavior, what if, what if we made it align with mercy and truth? And what if before we let anything get transferred into storage in our thinking and feeling realm and then on into the values and beliefs that we live by every day, what if we made it line up with mercy and truth? Let mercy and truth never leave us. Also positions us to live out and live in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways... Acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. In one sentence, which we have in two verses, Solomon gave us what I, what I started calling a divine navigation strategy. And this divine navigation strategy works better than the very best GPS that's available today. Not only does it have the ability to direct our paths in real time as we go through each moment of every day, it can also make our paths straight, and more importantly, it keeps us living under the influence of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. As we embrace the clarity and the benefits of living by this divine navigation strategy, God can take the wobble and the weave out of our walk, and he can help us stay on the narrow road that leads to life, abundant and to the full, that Jesus came to give us. But as is his way, we get to choose to use it or not. You know, you can have GPS on your phone or GPS in your car, and you can decide to use it or not. You can decide to listen to it or not. And, uh, and if you don't use it and don't listen to it, and you haven't found your way around, you might find yourself lost wandering in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I've had to adjust. I was a map person. I grew up being a map person, studying maps, used maps, then used Mapsco. How many of you guys know Mapsco? Man, I, would, I worked with Mapsco in so many different ways. And when we got to this GPS thing, it was a little bit of a challenge to me. I didn't like somebody telling me where to go. I like looking for it myself. All by myself, I'm going to do it that way. And still, if I'm going someplace I haven't been before, I'll look and kind of scope out the area and kind of get a lay of the land. But I've actually gotten more relaxed, right? If it tells me to go right here, go right here. What I also love about it is if it tells me to go right, but I missed it, the next thing it says is like recalculating or it gets me back the right way. And I've found that the Holy Spirit will work with us in those same ways. He's giving us instructions. He's leading us where to go, how to get there. If we obey it, we get straight the fastest way there. We think, no, I know a better way than that. I'm going to go a different way. Then he'll recalculate, and he starts moving us back around to get us in our spot. It works better than the GPS that's available. It causes us to stay connected to him. But as we look at this divine navigation strategy, I want to start with, <coughs> excuse me, the lean not on your own understanding part. Because in context, this phrase is set in opposition to and in contrast to, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That clearly means our own understanding is not to be the primary thing. But it does not mean that our own understanding is a bad thing. In fact, according to Solomon's wisdom scattered throughout the book of Proverbs, developing, expanding understanding is a crucial aspect of our growth and spiritual maturity. Proverbs 1, 2 says, Proverbs are for attaining wisdom and discipline for understanding 
words of insight. Proverbs 4, 7. Whatever else you get, though it costs you everything you have, get understanding. Proverbs 9, 6. Leave your simple ways and walk in the way of understanding. 9, 10. Knowledge, is the holy, uh, knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to choose understanding rather than silver. And Jeremiah 23, 24. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises mercy, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. However, our Western mindset, our Western worldview handed down to us from the Greek has a strong, almost default tendency to elevate and lean on our own understanding. We trust what we think we know. We trust what we have the vocabulary to explain. We trust what makes sense to us. We trust what feels right to us. We hold to things from our history and our experiences that we have deemed to be trustworthy. And into the midst of all that, God woos us into paradigm shifts. Thomas Kuhn, who invented that word, says, Paradigm shifts are a series of peaceful interludes punctuated by intellectually violent revolutions. And in those revolutions, one conceptual worldview is replaced with another. The original conceptual worldview God designed for our understanding, for our own understanding, was all about living in an ongoing personal relationship with God. So the highest purpose of our own understanding is found in an active pursuit of God, in seeking his way. Under the terms of the new covenant, our own understanding, our ability to separate, separate and analyze things mentally, as well as our ability to distinguish right from wrong, good from evil, even best from good, is best developed in full submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's even a clue in full submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ hidden in the word understanding. Now, our typical picture of under relates to submission. With God, that can be expressed in a bowed down posture. And for sure, God is worthy of our bowed down on our knees, even on our faces, worship. But listen, in his mercy, God invites every one of us to meet with him face to face. What an amazing thing. And Jesus even gave us an open-ended invitation. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and humble in heart and you will find joy for your souls. You know, if we're going to live yoked with Jesus, we better be standing up. We are under, we're yoked with him, we're under him. But we are standing with him. And there's a readiness when we're in understanding with him to live in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, God always knew we'd need to learn and keep learning from him and with him. Jesus' imagery was purposeful. A yoke puts two animals together so they can pull a load without encouraging and incurring any injury. Although the space between the animals depends on the type of work, usually the closer they are together, the better they work as a team. Listen to the message version of Jesus' invitation. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And therein we discovered the place and the importance how to live out true understanding. Before we get to the trust part of trust in the Lord with all your hearts, we need a proper perspective of with all your heart. Because one verse, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. The King James Version says the heart is desperately wicked. Because one verse says that. Many Christians have been led to believe and have been taught that we cannot trust our heart. I think this is one of the devil's favorite deceptions and it keeps many Christians from living spirit-filled lives. Listen to the very next verse, Jeremiah 17, 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Seven chapters later, Jeremiah 24, 7. I will give them a heart to know me. Five chapters after that, Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call on me. And you will come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And now you know the rest of the story. Beyond that, Jesus called out people in his day who honored him with their lips, but whose hearts were far from them. Jesus called them hypocrites. And on the road to Emmaus, after his resurrection, he challenged the disciples he was walking with and said, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe. We've got to keep the first thing first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Shelley already read it to us this morning. If we don't trust our hearts, if we don't keep our hearts awake, alert, responsive, and tender before the Lord, we run the risk of our worship turning into vanity, of our teaching turning into rules taught by men, and of finding ourselves valuing the traditions of men over the commands of God. To trust in the Lord with all our heart literally means we consistently, confidently, and boldly go in haste to the Lord for protection. And listen, it never honors the Lord to come slinking into his presence wondering if it's okay for us to be there. Jesus paid the price in full for each one of us to approach the throne of grace with confidence. And living in that kind of trust will require that we keep our hearts rather than our minds in the lead. When we mess up and we do something we know we should have done, we've gone the wrong way, your mind starts telling you, oh, now you're in trouble. I don't know, depending on how you're raised as a kid, you might think, oh, now I'm going to really get it now. There's major spankings coming. There's all kinds of trouble coming. Depends on whatever church you might think, okay, I've got to do this, this, and this, and this in order to make it right with God. No, the blood of Jesus is already taking care of every bit of that. And when we've messed up, when we've missed the mark, the blood is enough for us to still come confidently into the presence of God and meet with him face to face. Listen, if you can fix your problem without meeting with him face to face, you don't need him. But the truth is we can't fix our problems without meeting him face to face. And only in his presence is that forgiveness. And when we come to him, there's not this mean scowl on his face like it's about time you got here. When we come to him, it's like, I am so glad you're here. Thank you for coming back to me. It broke my heart when you missed it and went the wrong way. But I've been holding on to you. I've been taking, I've been wooing you by my spirit. It's with my kindness 
that I've led you to repentance. I'm so glad you're here. Once we get past the hurdle of not trusting our hearts, and our heart, our heart knows, our heart, when we mess it, our heart goes, go to him. Go to the Lord. Go right to him right away. Your mind goes, I don't know if I can. I don't know if he might be mad at me. I don't know if it's safe. Your heart says, go to him. He's the safe place. When you get past the hurdle of not trusting our hearts, we still have a couple more barriers. Fear and disappointment. I don't have time to teach about all that this morning, but I just want to tell you this. Fear is a learned response. And disappointment is the result of a faulty understanding. And the fear and disappointment, when we allow those into our lives, they cause wounds to our heart that cause us to believe lies about God as well as lies about ourselves. And when that happens, repentance is always a good place to start. We have wounds in our heart. Repentance, owning it, coming to God is a good place to start. And the Holy Spirit is more than willing to help us in the process of getting well. The Holy Spirit will sanctify us with the truth. And the truth breaks the powers of the lie. Breaks the power of you're alone. Or you've been abandoned. Or God doesn't care for you. The truth is like I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even in the midst of your hardest time. I've been right there with you. And the Holy Spirit sanctifies us with the truth. That breaks the power of the lie. And then that breaks the power of the sin. Or of the missing the mark. Or of settling for less than God's best. This morning if I'm talking to you. And there's stuff in your heart that you just know. Ah oh, but I still got this hurt. Listen ask the Holy Spirit for help. Ask the Holy Spirit to help. And when you ask him, it's like, does he really care about me? Is he really interested in me and little old me? I mean, there's a bunch of people here. Why would he be concerned about me? But you turn your heart towards the Holy Spirit and say, I got this wounding in my heart. I need help. The Holy Spirit says, go ahead and make my day. Just make my day by coming to him and asking me for help. One spiritual discipline that supports living out this trust is acknowledging God in all of our ways. In all your ways is pretty all-encompassing. It speaks into every aspect of our lives. And I've found that a verbal dynamic primes the pump. When we regularly acknowledge and speak out loud to ourselves about God's work in us, through us, and around us, we affirm what we see happening and we instinctively start cultivating an expressive thankfulness. Instead of Oh, wow, I just happened to get that really good spot at H-E-B to park in this morning when I was in a hurry, and there was just a spot waiting me, or I got to a line, there was no line there. Instead of like, wow, that was lucky. He's like, thank you, God. You, you knew the schedule that was on. Thank you. And I was hearing John last week talk about the testimony of the wood and how the Lord showed him that, and just thanking the Lord. He had skills already as a wood, wood person. He, skills I have no idea. I, I even call it a wood person because I don't even know the right word. <laughs> But he was thanking the Lord for what the Lord showed him. And what happens, the more we thank God, the more we see God in the little things each day. And we, it's good for our mouth to say it. It's good for our ears to hear it. And it actually changes the atmosphere around it as we thank God for things that are happening in our lives. Even the hard things that happen. Thank you. This could have been a lot worse, God. Thank you that you intervened right here. And even sometimes, thank you, Lord. I probably, I don't know what happened today, but... It could have been a lot worse if you hadn't been with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just so many different opportunities to thank the Lord. And it creates this awareness of his presence. It opens our eyes to the things. You start thanking him. You start seeing him everywhere. You start finding him everywhere in your life. He's, not, he, he's with us when we gather together on the weekends. But he's not just showing up with us at church. 
He's every day of the week, every moment of every day. He's with us and he wants us to see him and his hand is at work in each of our lives. In this beautiful season that you guys have entered into seeking his way, I'm telling you, he just wants to show off again and again and again. If you'll just even look with just one eye, just one eye open, thank you. You're going to start seeing God doing things in your life and you just thought, I never knew that was you. That was you the whole time. And he's going to affirm that again and again and again. We can also make and take opportunities to acknowledge and tell other people about what God is doing in life. There is a tremendous power in testimony. When we speak a testimony, it's not bragging about ourselves. When we're speaking a testimony, we're bragging about God. And you speak into the atmosphere the opportunity for him to do it again. Because if God did it for me, he'll do it for you. And if God did it for you, he'll do it for me. But sometimes we keep those things secret. And God wants it uh, just, just to allow us to celebrate his goodness. Let your lives and your good works shine before men that they see them. And give praise and glory to the Father in heaven. The life-giving, faith-building part of in all your ways acknowledge him feeds a greater ability to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. And the promise here in Proverbs 3 is if we train and discipline ourselves to acknowledge and trust, our everyday lives will be influenced by a divine navigation strategy that keeps us more quickly responsive to the leading of the Holy Spirit every day. Now, it might surprise you to learn that this word acknowledge comes from the Hebrew, Hebrew word to know by seeing. This acknowledge means to know by seeing. Now, as much as God loves faith and as much as he knows how good living by faith is for us, he also loves to help us know by seeing. God made us so he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And even though in God's kingdom, believing opens the door to seeing, God often satisfies our need to see so we can actively live in faith. God knows better than we do that walking by faith and having spiritual vision are a both and, not an either or situation. And as we keep finding, recognizing, and acknowledging God in the middle of our everyday lives, he keeps opening up to us an ever-increasing storehouse of experiential knowledge, things we get to do with God. This is one of my little things that I talk about sometimes, but I just want to encourage you, look for things to do with God, not for God. In my life, there's been a bunch of things that I've tried to do for God, and, and that's better than doing things against God, but most of the time, those end up not working out like I thought. But when I've chosen, I want to do the things with you. What are you doing today? What good works have you prepared in advance for me to do together with you today? What can I do with you today? That's a game changer in the way we get to live. And this word for paths means a well-trodden path, but it also means a caravan, which is an important reminder about having other people entwined in our lives during our personal journey. You, you don't caravan alone. And so having other people integrally involved in speaking into our lives, that's one more way that God speaks into our lives, one more way God directs our paths, one more way God keeps us walking and living the straight and narrow road that leads to life. A couple times in Proverbs, Solomon wrote, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Proverbs 14, 12 in the Passion reads like this. You can rationalize it all you want, and justify the path of error you have chosen. But you'll find out in the end that you took the road to destruction. Of course, there's a much better option. 
There's a divine navigation strategy that the Lord would desire for us to use. And I just want to bless you guys. I mean, at Impact, we're, we're pursuing the Lord. We're seeking his way. You guys are over here seeking his way. We, part of that, there's going to be, there's been in both of our histories, things that are amazing and just, wow. And there's also been stuff like, whew, that was hard. That was a tough season. There's all that still to come ahead of us. But as we will keep our hearts fixed and set on seeking his way, He'll walk us right through those processes. When the rains come, he'll walk us through. When the river rises, he'll walk us through. When the storms beat against the house, he'll still keep walking us through. On the days when it's sun shining and blessing, he'll walk with us through whatever comes our way. So let's let God keep winning us and weaning us away from relying on our own understanding. And let's keep welcoming a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And let's keep listening to and following God's directives released to us through the scriptures and by the Holy Spirit. That's the well-trodden path into all the freedoms and blessings that come with wholehearted trust and faithful acknowledgement of God being actively at work in us, through us, and around us every day. And without a doubt, that is the best way to live. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the chance to be here today. And I thank you for what you're doing in Kerrville Church of Christ. And I thank you for every person that's here today and even the people that are not able to be here and the people that are watching online. And I thank you, Lord, in each one of our lives, without exception, you have welcomed us to walk with you. You have welcomed us into a a journey that, that when we seek you with all our hearts, we find you every single time. Now, the timing doesn't always work out like we like. So I speak over each of us, Lord, a perseverance to stay to the end. Perseverance must finish its work so that we can be mature and complete and lacking nothing. Forgive us, Lord, for so many times we just want the quick microwave fix. But you're interested in something deeper. You're interested in something longer. You're interested in sustainable transformation in our lives. So, Lord, just keep drawing us. Let, let our hearts stay soft and tender before you. Let our minds be alert. Let them be in the right place. Let the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let us live like that. Lord, you are so worthy of some people living on the planet this day, this time, this hour like that. And we want to be some of those. And we thank you for the privilege we have to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>